of paper and sit down and get ready to have a Bible study with me. Evangelist Len Paxton, I love you and I look forward to you. Praise the Lord and welcome to the Len Paxton Teaching Series telecast again this week. As always, it's a joy and a delight to come into your hearts and your homes and your lives with the Word of God. There is nothing that we could do that would be any more beneficial than to study the Bible. Amen? You know, and I feel sorry for people who think that Bible study is boring, it's uh, something that you do on a rainy day. I, have, I had a guy to tell me the other day it's something that, that he might do when the snow's flying. Let me tell you something. The mystery of the ages is in the pages of this book. And don't wait. Don't wait until the last moment to get to know your Creator, to get to know your Maker, to get to know your God. Amen. We don't need, we don't need to wait till it snows or rains. The Word of God is for us every day. Praise God. And uh, it's, a, it's a privilege to be coming into your hearts and homes and lives. Over up north too, bringing you a right now word from God for your life. Amen? Now today, uh, I thought it would be good if we went into the book of James, <coughs> excuse me, in the second chapter, and looking at verse... Uh, 10 through about verse 19 or so. We'll see how far we get with this telecast. And um, prayerfully we'll get all of this done today. If not, we'll come back and we'll do another program on it next week. Uh, the book of James, I'm going to read from the Expositor's Study Bible. I'm going to read the scripture and the notes. And I will indicate such to you as we go along. Uh, James 2.10, the Bible says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law, Notes, Law of Moses, Scripture, and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Now let's read that Scripture again. For whosoever shall keep the whole law, and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. He's guilty of breaking the entirety of the law. This proclaims to us in no uncertain terms the impossibility of any believer finding victory through the law. We do not have our victory through the law. Okay? And if, if you've listened to me for the last two or three years, uh, you, you will have heard this over and over and over again. Victory for the child of God in every capacity comes... By a, by a Christian believer placing his or her faith in that which Jesus finished, hallelujah, he finished the work at the cross, and that's where victory comes. In fact, every blessing that the Christian would ever need, whether it's victory over sin, whether it's the fruit of the Spirit in one's life, uh, the blessing of healing, divine healing by the power of God, prosperity by the power of God, uh, whatever type of blessing that we're referring to, it all comes through the cross of Christ. Amen. Uh, again, verse 10, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, uh, he is guilty of all. This proclaims in no uncertain terms the impossibility of the believer finding victory through the law. 
whether it's the law of Moses or any type of law, it simply cannot be done. And sometimes we make our little laws, our little religious rules and shibboleths, and impose them upon our own selves and other people. <coughs> Excuse me. Victory. <coughs> Victory will not come to the child of God in that fashion. Verse 11 uh, for he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not kill. In other words, God said, do not commit adultery. God also said, do not kill. Now, if you commit no adultery, yet if you kill, you are become a transgressor of the law. Notes, the breaking of even one commandment puts the person in the position of a transgressor. Now, we don't like to think that about ourselves. This is mankind's total problem right here, is that we want to think that we're pretty good. We want to think, well, you know, I've, I've never murdered anybody. I don't steal. I'm an honest person. I pay my taxes. Some, some of you would even say, well, I pay my tithes. Uh, I try to help people. But somewhere in your life, somewhere along the way, you have broken the law of God. You have slipped up. You have made a mistake. You've outright sinned. All of us have. And so, we are guilty of the entire law. If we're going to try to live for God by law, we're done. It's just that simple. But thanks be to God today. The good gospel news, the message of the Bible, the message of Christianity is this. If I try to live for God, if I try to be good in God's sight, if I try to make it to heaven by the law, I'm going to go to hell. And the message of Christianity is God sent His Son Jesus who kept the law perfectly, praise God. Jesus never sinned one time. Jesus never spoke an unkind word. He never failed in any capacity. And when we, poor, pitiful, pathetic, sinful human beings, place our faith and trust and confidence in what Jesus did at the cross of Calvary on our behalf, He did it for us. Jesus didn't need to die on the cross for His own sins. He didn't commit any. Praise God. He did it for us. And when we put our faith in that, God credits us with Jesus' perfect law-keeping. And in the New Covenant situation for a believer, the law of God is fulfilled in us, the Scripture says. The Scripture also tells us that God writes His law on our hearts. Praise God. So, I think you understand what's being said here. Uh, salvation, sanctification, justification... None of it comes by law. Verse 12. So speaking and so do. <clears throat> In other words, what we say we ought to do. As they who shall be judged by the law of liberty. This pertains to the coming judgment seat of Christ. Verse 13. For he shall have judgment without mercy who has shown no mercy. In other words, if we withhold mercy here, we will face that same situation at the judgment seat of Christ. Verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and has not works? Notes. This presents the fact 
that proper faith will always, proper faith will always, 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 praise God, produce proper works in your heart and mind, and in your life and mind as Christians. But proper works will never produce proper faith. Okay? Let's understand that point. Proper faith in what Jesus did at the cross of Calvary will always produce the proper works in and flowing through our lives. But proper works will not produce for us a proper faith. There's a big difference there. Let's read the scripture, verse 14, James chapter 2. What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and have not works? Can faith save him? Now we preach, teach, and believe that we are saved by faith. But this should have been translated, is that kind of faith, a faith that does not have proper works with it, can that kind of faith save him? And the truth is, my, my friend, God will not recognize that type of faith. What type of faith will God not recognize? The kind that doesn't produce proper works. Faith and works in this context uh, actually travel together. In other words, you know, you've heard me say this many times over the air in the, in the past three, four, five years that, you know, we don't read our Bibles to get close to God. We don't go to church to get closer to God. Uh, you will get closer to God, but hear what I'm saying. Let's say it another way. You don't, in order to get victory over sin, you don't read the Bible more, pray harder. I mean, how do you pray harder? What, what, how, how do you accomplish that? Uh, you know, I'm praying harder. Now, that's not going to solve anything for you or for me or for anyone uh, for that matter. Uh, we, we don't pay our tithes in order that God would, would give us victory in life. We don't, these things are all works. And if we begin to depend on them as a law, that this is what we're going to do to get victory in our life, we will fail. But, and hear me now, those very things that I mentioned, prayer, Bible reading, uh, paying your tithes, going to church, um, uh, whatever you could name that is good and righteous and holy, those things are to be done by the believer. But they are a byproduct of that believer's faith. So in that context and in that sense, faith and works travel together. Alright, let's look a little further here. Uh, at verse 15. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, you give them not those things which are needful to the body. What does it profit? This refers to claimed faith, which blesses no one, simply because it's not true faith. True faith would help the person. Verse 17. Even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead being alone. Let's say it again, proper faith will always produce proper works. If not, the Holy Spirit says here that it is dead faith. 
And if you can tell a person who has dead faith, uh, they will sit at home, they will criticize the preacher, they will criticize all the churches, they will uh, have a sour disposition, uh, they will talk about the Word of God, they will set themselves up as a prophet or a great example of some type, but they don't ever do anything that blesses anyone. And the reason is, is because their faith is dead. And, 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 and we could go into this for hours, but sufficient to say, I, I think you understand what's being brought out here. Let me say again, uh, before we go further tonight, uh, you are not saved by works, and you are not sanctified by works, but faith and works travel together in the sense that we're talking about here tonight that if you have true faith, if you have proper faith in the finished work of Christ upon the cross, then your life will be a living proof of your faith. Your life will be a living proof of your relationship with Jesus Christ. In other words, if you are loving the Lord as you ought to love Him, if your faith is placed in the cross and what Jesus there did, we don't worship a wooden being, we place our faith in what Jesus did for us at that cross, if that describes you, you're going to have Bible reading habits. You're going to have a prayer life. You're going to have a church attendance life. You're going to be a giver. These are the things that the Holy Spirit of God Almighty births within our hearts when our hearts are right before the Lord. Amen. So in that sense, those works are proof positive of your Christianity. They are proof positive of your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And that's the proper place for these works. Some years ago, I did an entire series uh, over television entitled The Outflow of the Sanctification Process. This, the, the, the outflow is the good works. And it flows out from what is on the inside of you because you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's go over that real quickly. If you as a Christian have your faith properly placed in the finished work of Christ upon the cross, God releases unto you the help of the Holy Spirit, an uninterrupted flow of grace, and the Holy Spirit will go to work on your life producing these good works. Now in a nutshell, it took us uh, 12 programs to explain that uh, back in 2002, I think it was. But in a nutshell, that's it. And so works and faith in that sense travel together. Okay. Uh, even so faith... Verse 17, if, if it has not works, is dead being alone. Verse 18, yes, a man may say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. This proclaims the fact that the profession of a lifeless faith is profitless. Okay? In other words, when somebody looks at my life, they should see the fruit of the Spirit. When somebody looks at my life, and I'm calling myself a Christian, they should see evidence in my life that I, in fact, have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Amen. They should see God working in my life. Amen. That's what James is bringing out here in this passage of Scripture. Uh, verse 19, and this is where I wanted to get to as we close the program today. You believe that there is one God and you do well. The devils also believe and tremble. Now, what a scripture. It's not just enough to say that you believe in God. It's not even enough to say that you have a relationship simply with God. You need to be saved. I need to be saved by the Lord Jesus Christ who is the only way to get to that God. The Lord Jesus Christ is the only way to get to that God that we want to have this relationship with. Now the scripture says you believe in God, well so does the devil. And he trembles because he knows how big and powerful God is. Sometimes we're not even as smart as the devil. Sometimes we sit there smug in our sin, so self-satisfied, we don't even tremble at the thought of the judgment we will face one day. Hallelujah. There is forgiveness, there is repentance available to you if you will take that opportunity and turn to Jesus Christ and you can be saved. And I want to say it again for emphasis here. Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved. Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved. I know that's not popular nowadays, but it's the straight up Bible truth, my friend. You believe in God. You believe that there is one God. This presents the type of faith held by hundreds of millions of people today, but there's no saving grace in that alone. You think you do well, but simply believing there is a God says no more than what demons believe. Proper faith, proper faith, will accept the Lord Jesus Christ as one's Savior. Amen. James is saying bluntly that anyone, <laughs> anyone who trusts in an empty faith has, in fact, an empty head. In the 20th verse, he says, But will you know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Don't be empty-headed here. Trust in Jesus Christ for your soul's salvation and allow the Holy Spirit to produce the lifestyle of Jesus Christ through your life. Uh, you know, someday we're going to do a program on the different reasons why people go to church and why people accept uh, gospel or even say they accept Christ. But really it's only one reason to do that, and that is to escape the wrath that is to come. Amen? And when you truly come to Christ realizing that you're a sinner in need of the Savior, and you place your faith in Christ, He's going to change your life. And I guarantee it. Amen? Now tonight as we go off the air, I want to give you the opportunity. For those of you that may, may not know the Lord, maybe you... You've, uh, you've heard this preacher. Maybe you've watched us week after week after week. You've heard us teach on the message of the cross. You've heard us teach about faith. You've heard us teach so many subjects. Well, tonight could be your night to draw close to God. Tonight could be your night to give your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. 
The words of this prayer alone will not save you, but if you believe it with all of your heart, you can and will be saved. So right now, wherever you are, your hotel room, your motel room, your place of business, or your home, you can pray this prayer with me right out loud as we come to the Lord Jesus Christ together tonight. Amen. Heavenly Father, that's it. Go ahead and pray right where you are. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I realize and admit the fact that I am a sinner and that I need a Savior and that I cannot save myself. I could never be good enough, Lord, to save myself. And that's why Jesus had to come and die on the cross of Calvary. Father, I received Jesus Christ tonight and what he did for me at the cross. I place my faith in that. I depend upon it. I rely upon it right now for my salvation. And I invite Christ to come into my heart right now. To wash me in his precious blood from every sin that I've ever committed. I'm so sorry, Lord, for the sins that I've committed. And right now, according to your word, I believe in my heart that, you, that God, you have raised Christ from the dead. And I confess with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord. And so according to the scripture, right now I am saved. If you prayed that prayer and meant it with all of your heart, you have just entered in to the most glorious life that you will ever know. I guarantee you that, my friend. And the Lord be with you and bless you as you go throughout the rest of the week. Be sure to join us again next week for another Bible study. In, in some aspect of the great word of God and until then this is Evangelist Len Paxton saying go with God and he will go with you bless you now is my prayer before we go today before we go off the air and leave you I want to read you something from the Expositor's New Testament this is a Bible that Brother Jimmy Swagger has developed and it's one of the most powerful tools for studying the Word of God. And tonight I want to read to you one of my favorite passages from it. It's found in 1 John chapter 3, and we're going to read the 20th verse. Now, I'm going to read the scripture, and then immediately after, sometimes just a phrase of the scripture are notes. So I'll indicate that to you and, and read the entirety of the scripture and the notes. And I pray this will be a blessing to you. This is one of my favorite scriptures. And I want to leave you with this thought today. I want you to, uh, to contemplate this, to meditate on this. Sometimes life can be rough. Sometimes things can get hard and difficult. And this is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful passage, especially if you're dealing with failures in your life. And I know we've all been there. I have. And many of you are there right now. And, and if you're not there right now, you will someday be. So, this is probably one of the things you'll want to remember, actually. 1 John 3.20, Scripture. For if our heart condemn us, notes, our failures in duty and service rise up before us and our hearts condemn us. Scripture. God 
is greater than our hearts. Notes. Now listen to this. This is beautiful. Oh, this is beautiful. The worst in us is known to God. <laughs> and still, He cares for us and desires us. Our discovery of our failure has been an open secret to Him all along. Scripture, and He knows all things, presents God, notes, presents God alone, knowing our hearts. This is the true test of a man. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters tonight, that just means so much to me. When I look at my life and I see my failures, whether it's in duty or service or my irresponsibilities or whatever I've done, and I look at it with stark horror, I also know that God already knows it. And still, He cares for me. And He loves me. And He sees you tonight. Whatever you're going through. Whatever you've done. Whatever you've been. It's no secret to Him. Maybe you didn't see it. And maybe you didn't even realize the gravity of your situation. But He knew. Still, He loves you. I want to leave you with that thought tonight as we go off the air. And I just praise God for the Word of Almighty God tonight. Thank you for being with us tonight for the Len Paxton teaching series. As always, it's a privilege and a joy to come into your hearts, lives, and homes with the Word of God. We want you to tune in again next week as once again we'll study a great Bible subject and we want you to be a part of our study, please. And don't forget to write to us this week with your prayer requests. Ask us for those CDs when we offer them. Man, we love to sow that into your life so that you and I together can dig into the great truths of the Word of God. You can write to us, Len and Angie Paxton, Acts 2618 Ministries, Post Office Box 5714, that's 5714, Traverse City, Michigan. 49696. That zip code again is 49696. I'll be looking for your card or your letter. God bless you.